Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and the many blessings you've given us. We ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us and our families. Uh, watch over us, protect us from all harm and evil, and always give us the strength each and every day to, fi- to follow the promptings of your Spirit in our heart. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Today I have a co-host, Mr. Murphy Gilbo. Welcome to the show, Murphy. Thank you, Todd. Thanks for having me. We, we feature outstanding Catholics from all over Acadiana, and today our guest on the show is Father Mark Miley. Father is the um, chaplain at, uh, in Kaplan at Our Lady of the Rosary. Am I Most saying? Holy Rosary, Our Lady yes. of the Most Holy Rosary. Welcome to the show, Father. Thank you. Good to be here. <clears throat> okay, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I'm, I guess I'm a, a unique Catholic in the sense that I'm a late bloomer. I've always been a late bloomer from receiving my sacraments as a child uh, to coming into the, uh, the priesthood. Uh, I was uh, uh, married. Uh, my wife did pass away from cancer. And uh, it was at that time that I entered into the, uh, the, the, the call to the priesthood. Prior to that, uh, while my wife was alive, I was discerning and working on entering to become a diaconate, uh, a deacon in, in, in the uh, church. And uh, I was just waiting for the next class to, uh, to uh, get started. Uh, and, but in the meantime, my wife passed away. And at that moment, I, I knew in my heart I wasn't being called to the diaconate. I was being called to the priesthood. I talked to my pastor, Father Steve LeBlanc, at that point and uh, mentioned to him that this is on my heart and, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to go about it, but I feel pretty certain that it's not the diaconate that I was looking for, that mm-hmm. I was being called to. And he said, uh, you know, I agree. He says, I just thought it was a little too early after my wife had passed away, but uh, he says, I think we need to start talking to different people and, and uh, see how this progresses. And we did. Uh, I talked to... Father Charles Longanay, who was a second career, uh, vocation, second career vocation, and after he and I got to visiting one day, he says, uh, "I think you need to talk to uh, Father Aaron Melanson, who at the time was a vocation director." Uh, uh, Deacon Jim Kinsel brought my file to uh, Father Aaron, and uh, not long after our visiting that, uh, he brought the file to Bishop Gerald, and with the bishop's uh, blessing, uh, he accepted me into the. Uh, into the formation uh, seminary. I went to, uh, one of the uh, funny stories about that was Father Steve called me one day and he says, have you talked to Father Aaron? He says, no. I said, no, I haven't heard from him yet. And he says, okay. And he kind of got silent and then he was just so excited he couldn't stop. He says, well, the bishop said yes, but when Father Aaron uh, calls, act surprise. (laughs) So I thought that was uh, really a neat moment uh, in that. Uh, but uh, I entered into seminary in uh, 2007. I went to Sacred Heart, uh, Sacred Heart School of Theology in uh, Hales Corners, Wisconsin, and I was there for six years and uh, had a great experience there and enjoyed it uh, and have uh, really enjoyed my, my priesthood. 
Fantastic. Let's go back a little bit, if you don't mind, and tell me about your youth. And I think you mentioned to me that you're from New Iberia. Uh, but uh, what was your youth like, and, and what point did maybe God enter into your life? Was there someone in your family that introduced you to Christ? Or? Well, I tell you what, uh, from our family standpoint, uh, and not blaming anyone, we just weren't, we didn't go to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not have a very good formation as a young person. I wasn't baptized until I was about seven years old, and it was my brother who uh, insisted that we get baptized. So I thanked him, and I thank him today for, for getting that done. But it wasn't really until uh, I was uh, 19, 20 years old, and I, I met this beautiful little Cajun girl and, uh, who had a great faith, uh, Renee Russo Miley, who became my wife. That really started kind of uh, helping me uh, in my journey. I had a good friend, Raymond Babas, who helped me also uh, at the time uh, going to church because I would go with him in high school from time to time. And those were the people that kind of influenced me the most uh, mm-hmm. during that point. Uh, but I have to say it was my wife that was the greatest influence. Because I, I tell people all the time, uh, for over 22 years, she prayed for me. She prayed for me to come back to the church. And during that time, uh, I hate to say this, but I was one of those Catholics that came at Christmas and at Easter. And the rest of the time, I didn't have time for God. I was just busy with other things. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was doing good. And, you know, from a civic standpoint, I was active in the community and doing a lot of things. But in reality, uh, I didn't know at the time, but I was a dead person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have God. I didn't really have true life in my, in my, my life at that time. And, um, but I'm so thankful that she had the courage to persevere in prayer for me uh, because I think she was the greatest influence uh, uh, in my faith journey. No That's doubt about beautiful. it. Yeah. I want to bring Murphy in. Murphy uh, is a commercial loan officer with Gulf Coast Bank. Everybody knows Murphy Gilbo in Acadiana. He's all over the place, used to be in the car business. So that's how Murphy and I met. And uh, Murphy, I know you and Father have a good relationship and unique relationship. And I want you to jump in here and uh, jump in and ask Father some good questions. Well, I think what's unique about it is um, Father and I really didn't know each other till he came to Kaplan. And uh, I was kind of. Uh, Whenever Father Cedric uh, saw you was uh, our uh, priest, and he told me he was leaving, I was really upset about it. I said, oh, you can't leave us, not now, you know. And he said, look, he said, there's somebody coming. He's, already, he's asked to come to Kaplan. Not, there's not very many priests that ask to come to Kaplan. <laughs> but he said, uh, I can't tell you who it is, but I said, you're going to be uh, very, very impressed with him. You know, and I, I was... Like everyone else, you grow really fond of your pastors and, and, and all, and I was really down and out, you know. And uh, he's, uh, Father Cedric said, no, no, he's the right person for this place to come. And boy, was he right. You know, Father came in, and, and, and the wonderful thing about it, I, wonder, I always thought that, you know, priests go to school and they go to theology and they go through the whole process. But I always wondered, how do they know how married people got along? If you weren't married, you know, and all the problems that married people come through. And I always thought that that was really something that if a priest could have been married and, and became a priest. I, have to have a, I actually have a good friend that, that happened to him, Father Kendall Falk, uh, was married and his wife died and he went into the diaconate and it actually went into becoming a priest. So I thought that was really a good legs up on Father, Father Mark here. Knowing what you know, you and I, Todd, go through every day with our family and with our uh, wives and all, that um, he has a good perspective about it. Mm-hmm. 
and really whenever he came to Kaplan and we got to be friends and, and got to know each other a bit, you know, and play golf together and, and uh, do all kind of things for the church, I learned a really good perspective of what he did, what it took him to become a priest, how he became a priest, where he went from when he first began to where he's at now. And uh, I think it's pretty cool because he, got, he gets the chance to baptize his grandchildren gets a chance to do a lot of things with the grandchildren as a priest and as a grandfather. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty darn cool, you know, that's really cool. on that part of it, you know, that he gets to go out there and, and, and teach them about the Catholic religion, about how he feels and all. And, and uh, yeah, we're just blessed. We're extremely blessed to have him um, in Kaplan. Uh, kind of, you know, you worry about them having to leave. You know, worry about you know another priest coming in and all, but uh, for right now he's he's the rock that we got in in Kaplan, and we need him by all means. You know, we really really do. So it's been a wonderful relationship on my end of it. He might not say it's been a great relationship on his end, but on my end it's been a great spiritual relationship. You know, because he's a normal person. That's what's cool. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> you really. When I grew up. You know, the priests and my grandparents and my mom and them, you know, la prete's la prete. You know, whatever he says is exactly what it is. So you put them on such a high pedestal that you don't think of them as, as a normal human being, you know. Well, when you go hunting with them and you play golf with them and stuff, well, you see the other side of this thing, you know. And and uh, and that's that's really a good, good, really cool type situation for me. You know, it might not be for him, but it's cool for me. So you guys are in the heart of Cajun country over there, you know, and you mentioned Father kind of sought Kaplan out a little bit. Um, What is it that's so unique about Kaplan as it pertains to Cajun Catholics? You know, uh, I think that for me, man, it's just such a one and the same thing, our faith and our way of life. And I just love our people. And uh, but what is it uh, that you have that's so special that's going on down there? Well, I think the thing uh, for me as, as pastor is what I've been seeing is the growth in the people. Uh, they're really taking the opportunity to allow their hearts to be open and to experience God in new ways. Uh, not necessarily uh, um, in, in, in something new, but in looking and in receiving the sacraments in a new understanding of what they are. Uh, going to Mass and hearing the Word of God and understanding what it means to me in my daily life and how can I take that to bring it to my family and to my community and even to the people I uh, dislike. And I think what I have noticed is is this uh, tremendous growth of willingness to say, I want to learn more. I want to know this intimate relationship that uh, I can have with Christ. And I can have a relationship with Christ that is very intimate. I think many people have kind of lost that understanding of what that means and what that looks like. And I think for me, what I have noticed is the growth in the, in the, in the community of that, doing that, and also the willingness to try something new, mm-hmm. to, to give God a chance in a new avenue and a new venture uh, in a way that they, they didn't think was possible. And it's neat to watch him uh, to grow and to experience him in that way, for me personally. Father, I find that um, I, I see in Lafayette a lot of the priests really making uh, an intentional, uh, I guess, in their homilies and in, in some of the other uh, facets of the, of the Mass, uh, more quoting the Bible, more uh, challenging the parishioners to, to dig into the Bible, where when we were younger it seemed like it wasn't that way. 
Um, but I think that they're, they're, the Cajun Catholics that I that I talk to, they they want to dig into the Bible. The people that are really into their faith, they want to hear that when they come to Mass. You hear that at some of the non-denominational churches and the non-Catholics, but it, people always, the rap on the Catholics is we don't really read the Bible much. What's your take? Is that is that something that's been a direction from the bishop or... What, do you find that you know it's 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 good for the parishioners to get in, dig into the Bible? Well, first of all, it's definitely good. I, I, I wouldn't say it's anything that came directly from the bishop. I think it's from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I think it's a spirit moving within the church that our, our our people need to hear and understand that the Word of God is being proclaimed, and in that become, comes healing, comes knowledge and wisdom, uh, comes the ability to see and have clarity of heart. Uh, so that they can uh, take what the Lord has given us in His words and and bring it to life in their own own way, in their own their own homes, and just in their daily lives. And I think that's what uh, we're seeing and feeling uh, throughout the church. I think there's a really strong movement. The, the, whole, the Spirit's always been with the church; it always will be with the church. But I, I just see an outpouring of the Spirit coming alive, not only in the Presbyterate with my brother priests and, and, and other religious, but also in the laity, because in this world we need to have uh, God's Holy Spirit guiding us to the truth, because we're hungry for the truth. There's just so many lies that we hear in media throughout the world. I mean, just turning on the TV, uh, there's nothing but lies. It's, it's distorted truth, and we want the truth. And, and one thing I tell our teens, uh, and I've been telling this for years, so one thing you're going to get from me is the truth. You may not like it, you may not want to hear it, but it's going to be the truth. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The teens want that because they hear so many other things that are untrue, uh, and they just want to know they have a source that they can hear the truth from. And I think that's what the people are hungry for. Todd, one thing that happened um, in, in Kaplan, which was uh, kind of fantastic, and Father was talking about people wanting to get involved and wanting to start being part of it, uh, Father started a program along with Father Nick Dupree, who was there at the time, uh, in Kaplan, where it's uh, it's TMIY, which means this man is you. That man. That man. <laughs> he corrects me all the time. I understand. <laughs> Not a problem. That's his job. <laughs> yeah. That man, which is this man you're looking at right here, is you, which is that man is you. And, and it was a wonderful program. We didn't know how, you know, we're in a community of, you know, 5,000 people, if you count the dogs and cats in Kaplan. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's really a big, we have a huge, massive church. And then we have a little smaller uh, church, we, um, which is our mission church or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it in Kaplan. And uh, we got a lot of guys, a lot of men, okay? We got a lot of men that have great faith and uh, got a lot of men, lot of men that, uh, you know, are Catholics but don't practice mm-hmm. their faith. So Father looked at this program and we started off first of all by just meeting you know wanting to have a breakfast in the morning and get some guys together and we uh, kind of talked about it and put a little team together you know and 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 uh, it started off with father nick and father mark presenting the programs where's breakfast the breakfast actually we have it in cabrini hall which is right there in okay. in, in uh in kaplan and uh we start about six o'clock in the morning. Well, we started with probably twenty-five people, twenty-five guys, thirty guys, kind of the normal guys that you see in church, you know, all the time that, that go to church and participate, and all. And um, then it grew to like forty, you know, and kind of grew a little bit more. Well, then there was a program that was already started by uh, someone in in Texas, which is that man is you, and um, we 
joined that group. We joined that program, and we got the books, and we got the uh, videos and everything, and and we actually started. It's it's by some it's it's a semester. It goes by semester, and uh, we started it. Uh, I think we started in the spring. That first time, no, uh, the fall. We, the fall. Yeah, correct. the spring was Father Nick and I just providing uh, a, a basis uh, of our faith, just understanding our faith a little better. Which was which was good because we actually, you know, you started with you know thirty people and you thought, oh, this is pretty good for a little community. Then we we tr- we moved on to uh, that man as you, and uh, now we started getting fifty five, sixty. You know, 65, and, you know, we've got about, right about 90-somewhat guys that are registered in this program. But every morning, uh, you got, you know, anywhere from 50 to 60 out there. We watch and, and we listen. <clears throat> and what was really good about it, you know, Todd, was that, and Father would back me up on it, you started seeing guys that never, you, I, I don't know if I heard them speak five times in their whole life, you know, whenever in regular conversation. Now they're man, they're putting their hands up and they're talking about theology and they're talking about what the the video had and what was talked about and it's like, man, this guy's he's pretty deep. He's he's way deeper than me, you know. And and you really never experienced it with them, you know. Who and they're knew, talking huh? about it. Yeah. yeah. You know, one one of the things we uh, I'd, I'd done a couple of times in in our my homilies, I I, I challenged the men uh, to take responsibility of the faith of their 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 families. I told them they had to stop hiding behind mama's skirt. Mm-hmm. We've been doing that too long, that we as men uh, of the Catholic faith have to take responsibility for helping our families grow in their knowledge of God. And if we're not doing that as men, then we're failing as men. And uh, the, it has to stop. It has to stop. And I think that's one of the things, the challenges that the, the men have stepped up and have done that. They're, they're growing. I'm seeing tremendous growth. Uh, but when you start having that, that, that leadership in your family, you see family relationships and dynamics uh, improving uh, with husbands and wives and also with children. Uh, because now dad is taking responsibility and, and, and uh, kids, to a certain point, they're going to listen to mom. But at a certain point, they're watching to see what dad's doing. And if dad's not going to church, if dad's not taking responsibility, they, they just blow it off, especially our teens do. Absolutely. Yeah. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. Uh, today, my co-host is Mr. Murphy Gilbo. We have Father Mark Miley from Our Lady of the Most Holy Rosary in Kaplan as a guest. And uh, he's a great Cajun Catholic. I don't know him other than through today, but I know he's an awesome guy. I can feel, feel the love in this room between Murphy and he, and just a, a great advocate for Christ. I think a lot of people want to know, uh, you know, I, uh, when what what is the super motivation to become a priest? You know, I always felt like, I always wondered, is there something supernatural that, that, that happens to, to, to make that vocational leap? Is it a supernatural thing for you, uh, or was it something that just was happened way over time that you knew was going to happen? For me, it was supernatural. Uh, I can't speak for all my brothers because sometimes that, that call has gone. But because of my history of not being active in the church, not attending Mass, uh, that I, I, I was, wanted to be a good dad. And one day my wife came to me. She would always invite me to Mass. Uh, she, never, she never harped on me. She never did anything. She just would invite but one day she says, the kids are asking, why doesn't dad go to Mass? And want to be just be a good example, I started going to Mass. And I was those kind of guys. I was sitting there and say, hey, look, you haven't started that Our Father thing yet, and you're running late. I'm watching you. you know. And that's how I went through Mass for, for quite a few years. But slowly within that point, I started, uh, 
I started learning how to pray, how to talk to God in, 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 in Mass. And uh, lo and behold, out of the blue, one day, Father Steve LeBlanc asked myself, my wife, and another person to go out check out a program for adults. Uh, and he said, just go check it out. No, no, uh, you don't have to do it. I just want your opinion. So I went on retreat for the first time in my life. I'd never been on retreat. And on uh, that, that weekend, I went to adoration. I'd never been to adoration. But at that moment in adoration, the Lord touched me, and he moved me. And uh, I was prayed over for the first time, uh, and uh, the Holy Spirit filled my heart. And from that moment on, I was never the same person. I came back. I remember my kids, uh, my, at that time, my kids were in high school, and uh, there was a song out that, uh, that was very popular in contemporary Catholic music, uh, uh, Jesus Freak. And they would tell me, hey, Dad, don't come back as a Jesus Freak. <laughs> and we all laughed because we knew who I was and said, no way. Well, uh, that weekend, the Lord turned me inside out, and I came back a Jesus Freak. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so where was the retreat, and was it a couple's retreat? Or? No, actually, it was a retreat given by Life Teen uh, okay. out of Arizona. It was in Marietta, Georgia, at wow. St. Anne's, at a university there. It was a program called Parents for Life uh, mm -hmm. that was part of the Life Teen program, which uh, basically was this, uh, that parents would meet while the kids were at the Life Teen. Uh, they'd be hearing the information that was going on. Uh, at that night so they could carry it out through the well uh, the week helped kind of keep catechizing as a family uh, and part of it was a retreat that they provided for families for, for adults and we started doing that retreat there at Sacred Heart New Iberia my home parish and we're doing we were doing as many as five or uh, uh, six retreats a year for adults we ended up with two or three different retreats that they developed nationally very very good very powerful programs and I think over that period of time that we were, I was act, still active in it, we had done over 600 people had come through our little retreat program. Uh, but it was in that moment that I was moved by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit really took hold of my life and just, uh, and I gave him my heart. I, I guess that I'm giving you my heart. And at that moment, it was just all, all it was. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, I want to hear, I, I want to dig on that because our listeners, especially the young listeners and my, my kids, they say to me, you know, tell me more about conversion. How does that work? I think so many of us out there, our listeners, desire that conversion moment or that supernatural moment. And they ask a lot of questions. It, it was, was it something that you saw? Was it something that you felt? Was it something that you heard? What was it for you? Well, it, it's, it's a, uh, the... Um it happened on that retreat. I, on the Friday night, I went to adoration. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning that I was called to go down uh, to this, uh, the lodge where this adoration was going, and I went there. And I knew enough to pray. I said, I guess I'm supposed to pray. I knew that. And so I tried praying. And, of course, and like most people, I prayed for my family. I prayed for my wife and my kids. And, and, but there was dry. There was nothing really happening there. And at the, on that retreat, you were assigned a prayer partner. And I had a lady from Florida, uh, and I started praying for her. And it was amazing how, as I started praying for her, I started knowing things about her and things she was struggling with. Uh, the Lord was just filling them in my heart. And um, the, I couldn't wait to see her the next day so I could start talking to her because it was just a, such a strong feeling in my heart. I didn't understand it, but I, I knew it was, it was true. And that day on the Saturday, we visited, and I uh, was in our private times, uh, and we talked about a lot of things, and I explained a lot of things to her. And she was the more I talked to her, the more like her mouth kept opening and getting bigger, just mm -hmm. because I was bringing out things I had no way of knowing. 
And then in our conversation as we were talking, she turned to me and, and looked me dead in the eyes, and she says, and what about you? What's keeping you from God? And I said, whoa, wait a minute. It's been working so well the other way. I don't want to turn <laughs> it on me, right? Uh, but at that moment, uh, the thing was that I had never confessed my sins truly from my heart. And I remember uh, Father John, uh, I can't remember name, but he was a he was a lobbyist for the Catholic Church in Washington, D.C., and I tell people all the time, I think we needed an exorcist, not a lobbyist. <laughs> but I, uh, I stood in line for two hours to go to confession to see Father John. And in that confessional, I encountered Christ because I was a broken man. And if I had a priest, uh, well, I'll just say like this, if he had been a jerk, I would have been left to church and I'd never been back. But in that confession, sitting on a log in the trees by the, in this beautiful wooded area, I encountered Christ. And at that moment, I confessed my sins for the first time, all my sins. And that was the moment that just my heart really just flew open and the Spirit of God started coming into me and I had knowledge and wisdom of things that I, had, I didn't know. But he just kept pouring it into me and I just kept saying yes. And fortunately, about a year later, I was able to see Father John again uh, at another retreat I went to, and I was able to stop and talk to him and thank him for being God in that moment, which we know a priest is in that sacrament. But I wanted him to know what I encountered through him at that moment. So it was a beautiful moment for me, you know, from an adoration of the Spirit touching my heart, giving me wisdom and knowledge of things I had no knowledge of, giving me the courage to go to the sacrament of reconciliation and truly confess my sins and empty out my heart and experience uh, that, that, that mercy and that grace. And I think that's the thing that, that really moved me was that I wanted others to experience that mercy and grace that God offered me and gives me uh, unconditionally, unconditionally. And in that moment, allowing the Holy Spirit to just fill your heart up that it feels like it's gonna burst out of your chest I used to tell people, you know, they'd ask me to talk at retreats and do things. I said, well, if I could really just take my heart out and put it on, on this stool, I wouldn't have to say a word. You would see and understand the feeling that I have within me for the love of God through, through his spirit and through his mercy and grace. So for me, it was truly, uh, I would say, supernatural. Absolutely. And I know um, in my conversion experience, the one thing you want to do when you leave there is share that. You know, I mean, you want others to feel what you're feeling, especially in a, in a, in a vocation of marriage. You know, the first thing that I want to do was go home and share that with my wife. And, and um, you know, that's so beautiful. And uh, I guess at that time, you were married at that time. I, How did your wife receive that? Well, uh, <laughs> she, well it, it was neat. You know, uh, we, she was on a retreat with us. Uh, I always say that uh, on that trip, flying back from Atlanta to Lafayette, they didn't have to fire the engines up, <laughs> that we could have flown the jet uh, just with the spirit that was going with us. Um, and I remember, you know, my wife was prayed for me for so many years. And um, I, when I say I was on fire, I was, I was on fire. I mean, I would go, to, go get home from work, and I'd pick up the Bible, and I'd start reading. Uh, I was praying the rosary, and I'd go to bed at 10 o'clock, and about 45 minutes later up, I was reading uh, the Bible or another book that I was looking on on the Holy Spirit. And this went on for, for months where I really didn't sleep, but I was never tired. I was just being filled. And I remember one day my wife, you know, she's, uh, as all this was going on, she says, you know, I prayed for, she said, but I didn't know if I was praying for all this. <laughs> <laughs> 
I said, overload, oh, overload. Yeah, oh, it was. I mean, it was it was amazing. Uh, and um, I, I said, sweetheart, I understand. I appreciate it. You prayed for me for 20-some-odd years. I said, let me hold your hand and, 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 and carry you for a while. It's all going to be good. And it was. And, and she really was, it's, you know, very much uh, a devoted person. And I learned and, uh, her knowledge of, of God and Our Lady it was so much greater than I think mine would ever be because of the way her heart was aligned with the Lord. Father, the time's gone by so fast. We uh, we have to kind of wrap up the show at this point. It's been a, a really incredibly fast 30 minutes. Uh, but thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. I mean, that's a blessing to all of us. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best, Murphy. Thank you for coasting. We didn't get to talk to you much. We're going to do it next week on the show. We're going to feature Murphy, and uh, Father's going to be our co-host. That'll be a very short short 30 minutes (laughs) thank you for listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show I'm your host Todd Citron we feature outstanding Catholics from all over Acadiana thank you Father welcome unleash the Cajun Catholic in you